of the next several weeks, we are going to be having only two scriptures on Sunday mornings, a psalm and a reading from the, from the book of Acts. And the psalm we're going to play with, we're going to read responsibly, we're going to do some reading in unison, and some of them we're going to sing. Singing psalms has been historically a very significant part of the life of the Presbyterian Church. In fact, if you look at the Presbyterian churches in Martin's Ferry, that are only a block apart from one another, or the Presbyterian churches in St. Clairsville that only have an alley in between them. Part of the difference in those churches long ago when they were separate denominations was one sang psalms, literally, and one sang psalms, paraphrased. Um, And so we are going to, this morning, spend some time singing Psalm 150, Praise Ye the Lord, which is on, uh, which is hymn number 633 in your hymn book, and you can just stay seated as you sing.
I'll tell you more about what this story is as we go through the sermon today, but we're picking up in the middle of a story. Um, in the fifth chapter of Acts, and we're going to start at the 27th verse. So there, there's they and them in this first sentence. And the first day is the, is the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. And the second day are the disciples of Jesus um, post-resurrection. And as they're beginning the early church. So when the Sanhedrin brought the disciples, they had them stand before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders... Not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my question for you this morning is, when was the last time you held a really, really good grudge against someone? I mean really good grudge. I mean like you walk your dog on your neighbor's lawn because 12 years ago he planted hedges three feet over on your property line. That kind of grudge. I mean like you're always trying to outdo your co-worker because when you first started working, he stole your best client. I mean like, you remember when you were in the fifth grade and you lost out first chair violin? And you're still after that guy. When was the last time you held a really good grudge? I think part of what happens in people is there's something that inclines us to do that. We are, after all, I can tell you as a good Calvinist, sinful in nature. And in this text, we see Peter demonstrating his sinfulness. What happens is the disciples are in Jerusalem and the council, the Jewish council, which runs the temple, says to them, you cannot come into the council and preach in the name of Jesus. Stop it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want you saying it. You're causing trouble. Knock it off. And Peter does it anyway. 
And Peter does it anyway, and the council says, no, we told you no. And they go and they arrest him and they put him in prison. And they do it very publicly so that everybody knows this should not happen. And this guy is not going to stand and say to us, you're not the boss of me, because we are the boss. And an angel comes to them in the middle of the night and sets them free from prison. And guess what they do? If they had sense, they would go home. But no. They go back to the temple and start preaching again in the name of Jesus. They do exactly what they were arrested for. They do exactly what they were told not to do. They do exactly what's going to get them in trouble again. And why would they do it? Well, let me tell you. It looks very clear from the text that the reason they do it is that Peter is holding a grudge against the council. And you say, well, why would you think that? Well, first of all, he makes this very odd comment, this comment that is often taken out of context and used. And he says, he says to them, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Now, that gets misused by people. People say, oh, well, we don't have to do what the government tells us if we don't like them. Or we don't have to do what the church tells us if it doesn't jive with us. Now, that's not what Peter's doing here. Here, Peter is, is poking the bear. He's saying to the council, I don't have to listen to you. I only have to answer to God. And by the way, since you're ungodly, I'm not going to listen to you. Peter's being nasty. It's not entirely out of character. Remember, Peter is the one who is impetuous. He's got a big mouth. He's always getting himself in trouble. And now is getting the disciples in trouble. He's holding a grudge. And where you really get the idea that he's holding a grudge is... He goes on to say, you're the one that hung Jesus on a tree. You did that. We didn't do that. You didn't do that. These people over here didn't do that. You did that, counsel. You hung Jesus on a tree, and I resent it. You killed my master. How dare you? I'm going to hold this grudge as long as I can. Quite a guy, Peter. Always his emotions on his sleeve. We know he's wrong about who killed Jesus because 
the Luke-Acts story, remember Luke and Acts, were most scholars believe, were one book when we started out. So we've divided them now in later years to be two different books. But they're the same story. Acts continues the story that Luke told. And when you read what happened to Jesus in the Luke story, you get the full picture. It wasn't just so easy as... The Romans said kill Jesus, or the Jews said kill Jesus, or the council said kill Jesus, or the people said kill Jesus. No, all conspired together to make that happen. If you're smart enough to watch Jesus Christ Superstar, you know each one of those groups that Jesus meets with ends with a show-stopping number. So you know there's more than one group responsible for killing Jesus. But Peter blames the Jewish council. He's holding a grudge. You hung him on a tree. You killed him. You did it. I don't like you. I resent you. And I am not going to listen to you when you tell me what to do. Sounds like your 16-year-old, doesn't he? I do think there is something in our sinful nature that has us hold grudges sometimes. I also think there's something in our sinful nature that once we start to hold a grudge, we like to let it fester. You ever been in that position? You know, really, that's the guy who walks his dog on the other person's lawn because 12 years ago the neighbor did something I don't like. He's let that grudge just keep building and building and building. I didn't like them when we were in kindergarten together. So now that we're grown men, we played high school football. And they were a jerk then. I bet they're still a jerk now. She stole my boyfriend in college. Jerk. You know what that is. You've seen that. You get upset with somebody and you let it just grow and grow and grow and build. And the grudge gets bigger and bigger. Gets harder and harder to break. And Peter is stuck in that place. But we have to understand that Peter becomes, as Jesus had predicted, the one upon whom Christ will build his church. Peter is going throughout the world preaching the post-resurrection message that Christ is risen, bringing forgiveness and repentance and new life. He can't hold this grudge forever. He's got to let go of it. If his words are to mean anything at all. I bet there are people in this room who are holding that kind of negativity in our hearts. 
This is a Sunday after Easter. Jesus is risen from the tomb. Resurrection really happened. New life is possible. Let go of it. First of all, you don't know other people's circumstances. Maybe your neighbor planted his hedges because he counted wrong. Or he was trying to brighten your side of the alley. Secondly, it is what God called us to do. Not only what God called us to do, but what God came here to do. When Christ came into this world and was resurrected, that offered us the possibility to not have to live stuck with things that we've carried for years. We can let them go. That old life can be new. We don't have to live as a people held down by grudges and anger and hatred and despair. We can live as people freed and forgiven in Christ Jesus. Eventually, Peter moves on. He gets the message that his word doesn't mean much if he's not living out what he says. And as he continues to spread the message of Jesus throughout the known world, he lets go. And he lives out what he says, and he lives out what he believes. And his message becomes credible to those who will listen. Friends, on this post-Easter Sunday, know that resurrection has happened. Forgiveness is possible. Repentance will come to you. And new life is waiting to spring forth. Amen.